Hey guys, welcome to the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast, where I interview interesting people in the electronic music scene who are raving for a cause and making the world a better place. Hosted by me, Amy Farina, aka MC Unicorn. Tune in Fridays twice a month to hear incredible stories, advice, and insider tips from ravers, artists, industry professionals, and more. And as always on this podcast, I interview people with different views and opinions that do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of those of my own or those of Drop Bass Not Bombs. And if you're planning on raving this weekend, no matter where you are, check your local guidelines, look out for your friends, and party safe, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Rolita Couture. Rolita Couture is a body-positive rave fashion brand based out of Las Vegas. The clothes are handmade and sure to make you look amazing for your next rave or festival. They have a new collection called Be My Galaxy, which is out now. So head on over to RolitaCouture.com and use code MCUNICORN for 15% off because sexy has no size. Before we jump into today's episode, just a heads up that this is the second part of a two-part conversation with DJ Annex. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and listen to episode 22. In part one with Annex, we chat about her background, how she moved from Canada to Germany for a PhD program, and then how she ultimately ended up in the Netherlands, and then how she made a jump from being a fan to producing, DJing, and making tutorials, and all the cool things that she does now. In today's episode, part two, we're going to dig deeper into her story, her thoughts and opinions on being a female in the hard dance scene, how she raves for a cause, more about her tutorials, and so much more. So, okay, without further ado, let's get into the interview. You did a lot of live streams during the pandemic. Yeah. What, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, do you start first at your home or what, do you, what did you do? Yeah, so I actually, luckily I had my live stream stuff set up before the pandemic hit. So I start my company, set up the live stream, and then like five months later it was COVID. So I was like, oh good, I'm ready. Like, I have the ball rolling already. Um, yeah, and then I did more because then people started having live stream events in place of like festivals or events. So then I would do it with them. Um, the reason why I started live streaming was I, I bought a mixer so I could practice at home. Um, like to get my DJ skills up. A lot of my other friends said like, yeah, they just went to parties, got booked and started DJing. But I'm like, I wanted to be more self-confident and really like probably overanalyze every little detail to the extent that then I can't actually do anything. <laughs> I'm paralyzed by my own knowledge. Um, I think that can be, that can be, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, I think. Do, so do you find, do you find that you prefer then to do the live streams and performing like live on stage? I've seen you do both. You've played like, you know, a bunch of my events, both live and, yeah. and uh, live stream. What do you prefer then? I mean, yeah, it's nice to do it at home because then, like, you can roll into bed, like, 10 minutes after you're <laughs> yeah. done. Um, but I really miss the engagement with people. And Twitch makes it a bit better now. Like, people can send, like, I don't know what they're called, coins or whatever. <laughs> like, people can send pop-ups and you have the chat and then people are super engaged that way, but it's never the same as seeing someone, like, on the dance floor. It's, like, the same as teaching. Like, seeing my students in person is so much better than, like, even seeing them through a little screen. Um, like, it's just so much more, yeah, motivational. Motivational and engaging as well because yeah. you're feeding off of... So yeah, I, you can tell and tap into them more. Yeah, and you can yeah. see what they want. And I think for me as well, like, as an MC, that... Emceeing live streams is obviously totally different than emceeing live events. And obviously I prefer 100% to emcee a live event because you're playing off the crowd. If I'm yeah. emceeing at a live stream, it's like, put your hands up. And it's like, you see it. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like I don't see anyone doing anything. Like yeah. someone could be cleaning their kitchen or walking their dog or or having a party at their house during a live stream. You don't know what they're doing. And you have to be careful what you say as well, because like I'm hyping up people that are not there. So it's like, what do you say? <laughs> maybe they don't want to be hyped maybe up. They, maybe they don't want to <laughs> yeah. be hyped up. And maybe it's not always necessary, you know, yeah. to be like shouting at them, maybe the music <laughs> at that point. Whereas at a live event, especially for hard dance, an MC does play, in my opinion, a big role, a big part, especially in the Netherlands. We see a lot with MCs to hype up the crowd, to support the DJ, to keep the night going. I had Mouth of Madness on the podcast and he was saying as well that like, when you start to see the crowd, people going to get a beer, check their phone, yeah. it's when you reel them back in, you know? And that's the part of the MC to bring everyone back in. But 
you don't have that at a live stream because there are no people. So yeah, exactly. do you feel like it's the same for you as a DJ? Like you kind of, when you're live, you, you can feed off the crowd. If you see people are really feeling what you're playing, you'll continue on that path or... Yeah, exactly. Because um, usually, like, I'll make a DJ set according to, like, the energy, like, I want to make or shape. Um, but then definitely you have to be really in tune to what people want, too. Because at that point, like, I'm not just doing it for myself anymore. <laughs> like, I want to play exactly what I want because I love to do it, but I also really like people enjoying it, too. So for people to enjoy it more, I have to give them what they want. Uh, so it's finding the balance between, yeah, what I want to do and what people want to see. Here. How do you, that's a difficult balance, and yeah. I've asked this before on the podcast, well, how do you find that balance between producing and playing the music you want and you want to hear, and then also giving the people what they want, because you need them, they're your fans, exactly. they're the ones yeah. who are supporting <laughs> you, so how, how do you come to that balance? Well, I think, like, first it's amazing that I have any fans, it always surprises me, and it's always surprising. Why? Oh, because it's like I'm just doing this, like, for, you know, the fun of it. Yeah, but that's how you get fans is because yeah, you're passionate so. about it. You're yeah. doing it for the fun of it. And people, and I've, 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 I talked about this recently as well. Like if you're putting out positive energy, you're going to get that back. You know, mm -hmm. people see that you're positive, you're passionate about what you're doing. You're putting in that hard work. So that mm -hmm. in turn is going to bring them to you. If you're just like, meh. I don't really like music. I'm just doing this like whenever I have nothing else better to do on yeah. Tuesday. You're not going to get fans because it's not going to be, the product's not going to be good. But when you're putting in your heart and soul like you're doing, obvious, I mean, it's obvious to me that you, people are going to like it, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's really cool. And like, because social media is such a big um, part of yeah, music today. People might argue with this, um, but you have to have some sort of presence and people have to be able to contact you and engage with you. Uh, and communicate with you back and forth. That's how you get like, yeah, productive conversations and that's how you build up relationships. Um, but it's so cool when people come to me like with their own passion against my passion and then I'm like, oh wow. Or like somebody will email me like from Australia and be like, yeah, I was struggling like to understand kicks for years and I saw this and then it's a whole other world opened up for me. And I'm like, it's so cool that you can impact people that way. I love that. I love yeah. that. And that's what it's all about. And I feel the same in my podcast too that like I have some listeners in Iran and Ghana and Nigeria and like all these places. I'm like, it's just, obviously, I know a lot of people are listening in the, in the U.S. and in Europe. You know, mm -hmm. American, I live here now. But that it's reaching people in so many places that I wouldn't think it would reach. And I've had too sometimes, like, I, I thought, you know, putting out people would listen. But sometimes, like, holy shit, like, people are liking it and people are listening. Yeah. And when I ask people to come on, too, as a guest on the podcast and, and they say yes, I'm like, awesome, well, great, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. cool, they want to come. Or when people approach me that they want to come on. So I, I, and I now that I think about it, I, I, I actually... I'm changing my mind. I feel the same way as you. Before I was like, what do you mean? There's no way. But I'm like, no, I actually feel the same way just with the podcast. And I think, yeah, sometimes it's just shocking. And it's like, oh, wow, you do want to come on. You said yes to cut this person. I would never think they want to come on or they're genuinely curious mm -hmm. or they're interested or some random person's listening that I had no idea that they would be listening. You know, people that are not, are not even interested in electronic music are, are listening. Mm -hmm. Someone I used to work with at the beach Back in the day, she's from Latvia. She told me she listens to the podcast. And I was like, that's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, so I, I do now, thinking about it, I feel the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's really interesting. I, yeah, I think it's really rewarding and it, it's it's really cool and and it's it just yeah it, it makes it makes it even more worth it because we're putting something out there and it's getting reciprocated. Mm. Otherwise, it's just yeah. Well, that's the challenge because like you always have to yeah stick out your neck a little bit and do something that you're not comfortable with to like grow and to actually get some sort of like better result than you're used to and to be better at something you used to be. Um, but yeah, it takes like yeah I was mentioning before like you have to be able to be okay with failing. Um, and also contacting people and like being open for negative criticism and feedback. I mean, don't take like the non-productive criticism or feedback. Like that stuff doesn't matter. Those people don't matter. Um, but the feedback that's like well formulated and the people have your best intentions at heart and they want you to see, see you get better. Yeah, those are the people you want to tap into. And it's really major, like the majority of people are good, I think. <laughs> like, I, th I think yeah. so too. Yeah. How do you handle like haters online and things like that? Trolls? I don't really get them anymore. I think like when I started, I got like, there was this one guy who like followed me from Reddit and then went on some huge angry tangent. And there was a few people that actually like sent screenshots to me. They're like, do you get this a lot? And I was like, no, like, <laughs> no, like, I mean, yeah, people are always going to judge you no matter what you do. 
like in any aspect of your life. Um, and you might not think it's true, but it's true. And even if um, they don't tell you they're judging you, they're judging you. <laughs> so everyone is going to have their opinion about something. Um, yeah, what's the saying? Like opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just be true to yourself and do what you want to do. Because um, you don't want to end up like being 10, like 20, 40 years later and like regretting not doing something just because you listen to someone who told you you shouldn't do it or you're like playing by the rules set by society or somebody else and not being true to your own self or like what you're passionate about just because you think you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I think I think we said putting your neck out there. You have to take that first step and that it's a big risk and it's going to suck probably at first. It's probably not going to be, you know, very good, but give it some time and it gets better and better, but you can't be afraid to fail. And I think mm -hmm. that's what holds a lot of people back from pursuing these kind of passion projects mm -hmm. because especially in society, it's like we have to work. We have to do our jobs. We have to pay taxes. You have to, you know, take care of your family or clean the house, whatever. There are things you have to do. But these side passion projects, like we don't need to do them, um, you know, so to do that, to take that risk, it's it's hard and you have to be, you know, a little bit, you just have to do it. You just have to yeah. do it and not worry about what other people are going to say. I, I have the problem of like pushing it off, putting it off because I want it to be perfect. And mm -hmm. that's also why it's taken me a, a while to start the podcast. So the idea for Drop Base Not Bomb started in like 2013 and didn't really actually come to be until 2017. And everything happens at the right time for the right reasons. So I'm not worried about that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's normal to be like, no, it's not ready. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And it's like, well, you've got to be ready eventually if you want it to be out there. Otherwise, you're just yeah. pushing it back. And that's the thing. Like, um, I always want to do 100%, but like, stop at 80%. and Because like the last 20% you go crazy for. And then it's like according to whose scale, like maybe you're 100% or maybe you're 80% is somebody else's like 120%. So, like, calibrate, like, your expectations against what, like, other people actually expect to. Um, and just, like, do less. I mean. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's like save the fucks for, like, what you actually care about in life. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's good. Right? And just doing it. Yeah. Just do it. And don't be scared of rejection. It's like, yeah, approaching people. Like, like if you want to go on a date with someone, you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't approach them. You know, I'm scared. It's like, you, yeah, if you don't talk to them, then you're going to yeah lose out either way. So, like, your chances are 100% of failure if you don't talk <laughs> yeah, to them. Yeah. Whereas if you go and ask them, like, you never know, right? You might have one. Yeah, you might. Yeah. You, you miss every shot you don't take. So yeah. might as well just try it. And otherwise, you'll never know. And then who knows, like you said, 40 years from now, you'll regret it and be like, yeah, I should exactly. have done this. You know, and, like, just... at least you tried, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's all but, you can do is try. And when you're mentioning, like, busy with work and everything, it also makes it difficult because if... If, yeah, you're working 40 hours a week and then doing production the rest of the time, like, say, if you're really into it. Um, if you're really burnt out from work and, like, you know, emotionally, like, really exhausted from that, then it's hard to put a lot of passion and energy into the production and then also send it out again. Because then you're, like, putting more effort into something that should be fun, but you're not sure the, yeah, the result you're going to get. So, yeah, it can be quite, like, a... It's a tumultuous process, I think, getting into production and especially when you're not doing it full time. So how do you find like a work life balance between like your full time job, having cats, doing doing having cats? Being a mom I mean, I can <laughs> I'm a dog mom as a mother. I mean I'm a mother, I have Nuka. Yeah. You're a mother of two, congratulations. Yeah. So but, but you anyway, sorry, you get what I mean. That like having all these responsibilities, how do you find the time? At the end of the day, when you're really tired, the cats are like, how do you find the time to get in the studio and produce? I told them to shut up. They're not real children, so I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> no, don't tell them that. They're um, so cute. They're so cute, yeah. Uh, they inspire me, my cats. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, always be like... Your work shouldn't be your whole life. It used to be for me. And then I'm like, this is not uh, serving my own purpose anymore. Um, so yeah, for me, like my work now should be a means to the end. And I'm still passionate about it. I still have to do it. I still push myself to do it. Um, but it should allow me to do fun stuff that I want to do. And I should, yeah, it should not burn me out to the point that I have no energy left to do it. Um, so the last few months, like, I moved to another house again. I was living in a shed for a couple months. <laughs> like, yeah, it was a very, like, difficult time. Um, so I didn't do a lot of production. Um, but it's okay, because if I sat down to force myself, I would be like, oh my god, like, I have nothing to give here. <laughs> uh, whereas now, like, I feel okay again. And I'm really looking forward to, like, I plugged in my mixer the other day, and I plugged in my audio interface, and small steps toward, like, 
getting ready to do it again. So how do you get motivated in times like that or times when you're feeling down or burnt out? Like, how do you get yourself out of the ditch? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's funny. There's a complicated way. So like, oh my God, it's too complicated. So I wanted to buy solar panels for my house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, you can ask for the tax back for that if you're like a normal person with no company yourself. Um, but if you own your own company, it's really complicated. And also if you fall under this client owner name, it's even more complicated. So then I was like, okay, if I have my turnover for my company, reach over 20,000 euros in one year, then I can get the tax back on my solar panels. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what can I do to get over 20,000 euros in Corona making music? That was a motivation, but then I was like, yeah, that's not the right motivation. It's not yeah, that does right. did. Wow. That was a bit like, yeah. So just, yeah. I so really what was the motivation music. in that? Okay, that you're your passion so for music. I sat down to like the piano and I was like, I'm going to do five minutes on the piano. And then five minutes turns into half an hour, turns into like two hours because I just like doing it. Um, and then the next step is like, I'm going to find the cable to plug in my computer to my piano because I lost it in the move. <laughs> but I'm probably going to have to buy it, but I'll just buy the same one I bought before. So like, yeah, it's find little shortcuts. Like don't research a whole new cable because they made new cables. Just like buy the same one because it worked and it's probably cheaper now. Do you think people make the mistake of like trying to do too much at once, like diving in instead of like what you said, taking small steps, like finding that cable, playing for five minutes instead of saying like, okay, today I'm going to run a marathon or today I'm going to make a track. Like, do you find that a lot of people make that mistake? Yeah. And it's partly like, uh, I mean, you want to be confident, um, but the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Um, so rather than, yeah, as you learn more, you realize that you have to take smaller steps usually. And, but then you're also like, you see what you're doing as part of a bigger picture. Like then you can have more of like a goal orientation to like each little task you're doing. Oh, sorry. I went on kind of a tangent. What, what did you ask again? Oh yeah. I was asking about like, cause you were saying you took small steps to kind of get where you are. You said you were living in a shed and it was like a rough time. <laughs> so I was like, what small steps did you take? And then I asked you like, do you feel that a lot of people make the mistake of like, trying to go all in too fast rather than searching for that cable there, you know, trying to build a piano from scratch, for example. Yeah, it's a matter of finding, like, how can you make little rewards for yourself? Um, it's like if you're studying, like, read for 20 minutes, set a timer, when it goes off, like, eat a gummy bear. Like, you know, like, reward yourself for a little progress. Um, and it's the same with production. Like, try to make, you know, making an eight-bar loop is fun. Uh, so in music, the um, arrangement is timed over bars. Uh, so eight bars is usually, I don't know, like 20 seconds or something in French core, like 200 beats per minute. Um, so make a little thing that sounds good and then stop and then make something else. Like, don't just keep like trying to perfect like the same idea. Um, but it's hard though, because when you start, there's so much. So that's kind of what I want to do with my tutorials. Like also as a resource for myself to organize, like what I can use for what's like what I need to know for what's, um, yeah, what new information can I go find to help me understand something better and then put that into practice? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's like everything, but that's the, the difficulty, right? Because there's just so much. There's a lot, but yeah. I like that your tutorials are breaking it down. You're starting with the small steps and also it's like a capsule in time that's going to be there forever. So people can yeah, always exactly. come back. It's like a library. Like yeah. people can always <laughs> come back and reference it yeah. and you can make different things for, you know, different yeah. people, like you said. And yeah, it's always going to be there for yeah. people who want to use it as a resource. So, and now that you mentioned, uh, the library of Congress in the United States, um, in 2022, so like January 1st of this year, um, they opened up the copyright for all of the like sound archives in the sound bank they have. And it's like really, really comprehensive. I think everything to like, um, 1920 now, you have to go look to be sure is like free to use for anything, Ooh. which is really cool. And the way you can go search for it is like, it's kind of coordinated on a map. Like it's coded. It's super cool. Like it's really interactive. Um, Sorry, that was another. Do you think that's gonna? No, it's okay. Do you think that's gonna <laughs> impact the music? Yeah, like I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah, Yay, really Congress. Cool. So, do you think that's gonna impact the music that's coming out? I want to bring this back to what you said before that, like during the pandemic, people were making music not so much those festival main stage bangers, but more kind of long form, mm -hmm. kind of more dramatic music. Do you think now that people are gonna have access to music from the 1920s and classical, more classical tunes, do you think that's gonna change production? Or is it not really going to matter? I mean, I think um, for COVID, it gave a lot of people more time to take up a hobby. Um, and it's funny because I asked my followers and half of them did take up a lot of new stuff and half of them just like relax, which is fine too. Um, so yeah, it depends on your situation and who you are. Um, 
yeah, I think it gives people time to do more research too. And a lot of people went looking for tutorials uh, as well. And then, yeah, a lot of producers also started doing master classes, especially because they didn't have the source of income, like the festivals that was like, poof, gone. Um, so yeah, there's a way of like diversifying your activities as an existing producer, but then as a beginning producer, yeah. Just finding like where you can, yeah, get new information from how to use it. And now there's more information now, and now more, like you said, new tracks, people can take tracks now from the 1920s, yeah. just more music coming out. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. And it's everything like even sound clips and interviews with like oh, famous wow. people. Yeah. All Do you think movies too? Just everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think everything goes into the commons, the creative commons from 1920, before 1920 now, if you go to the Library of Congress, but it's on my website that you can find a link. Okay, cool. That's really, I learn something new every day. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about uh, toxic sickness. So we've talked about a lot of different topics now. And one project that you've been really busy with is your residency on toxic sickness. Can you tell us like, how did that start? Yeah. Uh, so a friend of mine, she did a guest mix for them. And I think she got invited to do it through another friend of hers who did guest mix or had a residency. So she's like, yeah, I should totally do it. Like just email Alan, like send him something. Um, so what did I do? Yeah, I think that's just what I did. I was like, hey. you just emailed him. Yeah, <laughs> and, now you, and now you have read residency. Did you first do a mix? Uh, yeah, what? I did like a residency okay. mix. But I, yeah, I did it like so many times because I wanted to be perfect. And the same thing my friend was saying too. She recorded it like so many times. Uh, but you really learn like every time you do it, you learn a little bit more. Um, and it kind of feels like yeah, you do the same thing a billion times. But that's how you learn, right? So how yeah. often do you do this now? Uh, so yeah, I was doing it every month, but now with the teaching again, uh, I'm doing it every second month, but then I can make it like twice as good now or like Ooh. one and a half times as good. <laughs> yeah. And cause I never like, I started producing, I didn't start DJing first. So most people start with DJing and then go to producing. Um, so I did it the other way. So it's like helping me with my DJ skills to like, see how songs mash together. Like, so maybe, uh, so people, if people don't understand this, the difference between DJing and producing. DJing is you're mixing two tracks that already exist, like two songs, song A and song B, that other artists have made, like two complete tracks. And producing is building up one of those song A or song Bs using a number of what they also call tracks. So a number of layers of instrument and kicks and stuff into one yeah, song. So one is really macro and the other is really micro. So I started like in the super fine, like detail oriented, like production stuff. But for DJing, you need to know like arrangement and how everything sounds together. And that's what people want to hear. They don't hear like all these tiny graphs you're manipulating, yeah. you know? <laughs> so would you advise up and coming producers to do what you did or just up and coming artists in general do what you did and go the production route first rather than the DJ route first? I mean, people were telling me to learn how to DJ and then kind of because they were telling me to do that, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I'm stubborn. Um, you're like, I, nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it does learn to help, um, yeah, it helps to learn to DJ first, but you don't have to know how to DJ to be a good producer um, because it's kind of different skills too. Um, and I think that's why a lot of, um, this is a maybe dangerous sentiment, um, a lot of women are good at DJing. Um, I mean, it takes time to do everything, obviously. Um, so if you're more outgoing and you're more a party person, and you like to be in front of a crowd and also people like to look at you, then like DJing is probably more like your niche. But if you're more liking to sit behind a computer and really work on something for days on end, then like maybe producing is more of your niche. So it's, yeah, I don't think you necessarily should have to do both, but it does help to have some understanding of the other one to improve the one you want to do. I more. think we've seen it in all ways with electronic music and specifically hard dance. You have some people who are really great at producing and then on stage, they're a little bit shy. They're not really interacting with the crowd. Yeah, exactly. You can tell that producing is more their thing. Yeah. Then you have others who who don't produce their own music and that's fine. They're strictly DJs and yeah. they're great at it. Yeah, and then you look at them and you're like, oh, I'm so excited to watch this person like rip the and stage apart. They're crushing it. Yeah. And then you have some people who are great at both. Yeah. And there are plenty of examples of people who are great at both. Rob G is a great example. Yeah. He is someone who produces and also he's like the craziest person on stage I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like he gives it's it true. 110% every time. And you know, as I've been with him a lot on tour, I see that, you know, we, it's a lot of work. And sometimes you're tired and not feeling well. And yeah. it just gives it 110% yeah, every time on the up. stage, shows up dancing yeah. and singing and jumping. And so I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, that's for some people, it's, it's strictly they're better producing. Others are strictly DJing. And then 
can can be a mix of both. And I think the mistake people make though is when people come at people for not making their own music, and we see that a lot. Oh, they don't make their own music, man. They're ghost produced. Who cares? Maybe they're not a producer. Maybe, like you said, some people, if what they're good at is performing on stage and mm-hmm. mixing track A with track B and getting the crowd to go wild, then what? Maybe unpopular opinion. People could come come at me, but what's wrong? <laughs> come for, come for, come at me. Right here. <laughs> yeah, right here. But what's wrong? What's wrong with that? Like, is there something wrong with that? I I don't think so. Do you think so? <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous territory. Um, no, I mean, I don't think so because it's, it's a different set of skills, right? And at the end of the day, like, you want it to have, like, one product, something that's cohesive, it sounds good with, like, a person behind it because people connect more to a person than to just a song, right? You want to know who the artist is, like, what they stand for, like, maybe some, like, aspects of their personality, like, a bit of their history. Um, yeah, it always comes back to the people, I think. Um, but, yeah, then, yeah. It's good, to, like, as a producer, like, I really like to be transparent about what I'm doing. Because um, people, I think, often assume I don't make my own music, which is okay. Like, they can assume that if they want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really put a lot of work into, yeah, showing how I make it. Um, partially to show that I am making it. Um, but yeah, partially because other people like to learn about it, too. Yeah. And I, I think that's what it's all about. It's like just being honest, being transparent, yeah. but also people should just mind their own business as well. And just mm-hmm. like understand the fact that like there, you can be a great DJ and not a producer. You can be an amazing producer and not a great DJ. You can be amazing at both, or you can be work horrible at both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you just stop where you're at. Yeah. Just like you try, you did. Okay. For example, me, I, I tried to DJ in college. I was DJ jungle gym. I went to a shady part of DC and I got a new Mark mix track. I started with virtual DJ and to be honest, not that good. Like I said, I don't have a musical well, background. You're never good when you start anything. Well, I don't think I was that good further than <laughs> oh, <okay>. that. <laughs> but maybe, maybe if I had given it the time and energy and effort yeah. and passion, it was just something for fun that I did in college. You know, played at the honors fraternity events and like campus, <laughs> and, campus events, things like that. And um. You know, it was, I was not that great at it. And that's okay. Now I don't remember even how we got onto this, like, really long tangent. <laughs> but basically what I'm trying to say is that it, it's, at the end of the day, if someone is really passionate about something and giving it their 110%, let them do their thing. That's it. Yeah, that's and I mean, like, people are all, like, it's usually strangers, too, are always going to shit on you for something, like, and then, yeah, like, the couple of people that are come to me, like, all angry, it's like, yeah, okay. And, like, you can let it get to you, but then you can also think, like, who the fuck is this person? Like, what are they doing? Who are you? What music have they made lately? So you have to elevate yourself, too, because if you don't, you'll be like, oh, I feel like shit because this person told me I'm shit and my music is shit and I'm shit and I'll never be anything and I'm worthless. And then, you can, like, if you listen to them, that's how you feel. Um, but that's only, like, one random asshole's opinion. So you have to remember that, like, there's so many people out there who, like, love you and support you and, like all these random strangers who are also supporting you and you don't know who they are, but you see like them listening. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah and it's really easy for someone to hide behind the computer and just yeah, like, exactly. I, I doubt issue. that person is a producer, like or happy yeah, with their life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If they need to like tear down other people. And yeah. what you said before too, there is a difference between like trolling and hating and constructive criticism. Yeah, exactly. So if someone tells you, Hey, I listened to your track or Hey, I listened to an episode of your podcast. I, I get, I get this a lot. Actually, I listen to this and I think that, you know, maybe this sounded a little bit like this or why don't you try that? Okay. That's great. But if someone's just like, you're horrible. You should jump off a building. Like, no, that's know, exactly. <laughs> there is like, a difference. Not am I that anyone says this information. Yeah. Like, yeah. But uh, it's just people projecting. It's people projecting. Yeah. It's easy for someone to hide behind their computer and to let out all their anger. Exactly. So, I um, listen to terror. Don't rip apart somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> Constructively feedback a terror song. Like, <laughs> yes, do that. Listen to terror. Go to heavy yeah. bag boxing class. Do yeah. something else. Clean your whole house. Do yeah. something else with Just your don't aggression. Don't take it on other people. No, because it does hurt people. You know, it, it doesn't do anything no. productive. It's anyone. really contagious. That sort of energy. Like positive energy is contagious, but also this shitty, awful negative energy. That's why also like it's so important. Like who you choose to have as friends, who you collaborate with, like where you choose to work. Um, because at the end of the day, if you think like that stuff doesn't get to you, it still will get to you. Don't they say you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with or something? Yeah. Is that true? I'm sure it is. Yeah. Interesting. I think about that a lot. Like, look at me too! <laughs> 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 I 
I think about that a lot. I'm like, okay. Who am I? But then also, like, people might be thinking that about me. Like, like, oh, I spent a lot of time with Amy. That explains a lot. Yeah, but in a good way. I, I hope so. I think so. Yeah, for the most definitely. part. Definitely. Otherwise, I wouldn't hang out with you. That's true. That's true. Oh. Okay. I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm fun. Um, so okay, bringing bringing the boat back to the dock again. Uh, I wanted yeah, bringing it back. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, you know a little bit about your brand, but also, do you find as a female like pressure to like look a certain way on stage? I mean, you're really pretty, but like do you <laughs> thanks? But, like do you do you feel pressure to dress a certain way, to look a certain way, to present a certain way? Yeah, definitely. Um... And when I started DJing, like, I was more worried about how I looked and presented myself versus the music that I was making. Um, and I mean, it's both. Like, you want the performance, uh, you want to be, like, visually entertained, uh, but you also want the music to match and the music to sound good. Um, so that's the tricky thing, because then I wasn't, like, I couldn't concentrate on how I looked and at the music at the same time, which drove me crazy. Because then I was so fixated on like, okay, what angles am I like? Am I happy? Am I fucking smiling enough for fuck's sake? Um, oh my, real? Is the smiling enough? Oh is that a thing? Well, you have to look like you're enjoying yourself, right? Oh yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> I mean, if I'm like, if I'm really into something, I'll be like glaring and like live streaming, like resting bitch face. Yeah, oh, like, I have it. Super like hunched and into my zone. Um, but I mean, for people who like are really into the music too, they'll be like, oh yeah, I get that. I respect that that person's like that. But then as a general, like for your wider audience, I mean, it's probably not so attractive. <laughs> like, you have to be honest with yourself. Like, what do people want to see? They just want to see like staring with their head yeah. down, like hunched over. High You're right. I actually <laughs> never thought about that before because as an MC, like it's all about the present presentation. Yeah. So I, yeah, I need to interact with the crowd. Yeah. You need to be making that eye contact. Act, you need to be yeah. pre- look presentable. And uh, I sp- I've spoke about this with Mouth of Madness that at the beginning for me it was all about also how I looked it was about the mm-hmm. and the presentation and the gimmicks the conf- you remember you were there the confetti <laughs> there well, beach balls in the crowd. they're really fun yeah, they're, so they're important they're really important elements so we can't deny that at all we can't deny that and we can't de- deny the past and how far I've come but I think we can <laughs> accept that like there is taking taking it too far and taking it I, I told a story in the podcast where I was like throwing beach balls in the crowd and like no one was like picking them up yeah no one was like picking them up they were just like bouncing down and instead of taking that as a sign like maybe you should stop I'm like you're not the beach, beach balls yeah I did, I did that's what I did it's like more of it more more, them. more. you just need more to have yeah. fun yeah I'm like maybe they missed it maybe they didn't see it yeah they didn't see it they didn't know that this is what they want and it's like no okay or like you know if you're you also need to know the crowd if you're playing at a small club with five people. Maybe they don't don't need to shoot confetti at them. Like, like sh- t-shirt gun. I did. Oh, oh, don't get me started. I used to have a marshmallow shooter, not when I was emceeing, but like just for my personal life, I had a marshmallow shooter. But don't give me any idea. Yeah, basically. No, actually, at Fantasyland back in the day with East Coast Hardy Dance, that was the night thing. I walk around with like a marshmallow gun. But is it for shooting marshmallows? Yeah, mar- yeah. What do you think is? I was yeah. thinking marshmallow like the the DJ. Oh no, I don't think he has his own line of like shooter. No, no, no. Marshmallow business idea. <laughs> business idea. Hey, marshmallow. <laughs> so for those who don't know, a marshmallow gun or a marshmallow shooter is a long. This is conversation is going all over. It's a long tube. And as a trigger, and you load it with actual marshmallows, and you pull the trigger, and it shoots out marshmallows. That's pretty G-rated. People. Yeah, just like. Yeah. Boop. Now you get a marshmallow in your face. Are they mini marshmallows or the big ones? You want to use medium sized ones. The jumbo jumbo American ones are a bit too large, and the mini ones for hot chocolate, save it for the hot chocolate. You could lose an eye, probably. Yeah, that's. (laughs) Anyway, marshmallow guns. Getting back on track. So there is this pressure to. To, to look and dress a certain way because it at, at the end of the day bringing it back full circle you want people to listen to your music you want people to buy your tracks to to subscribe to your channel and if you're <laughs> hunched over with resting <laughs> bitch face like yeah. not smiling you're probably not going to get that many people subscribing yeah. and watching and as much as like i hate that that's true and it, it's just it's still true like and that's the reality of life like and that uh, one advice that's really helping is like fake it till you make it like Really, like, put your shoulders back, have the body posture of someone who would be a confident person who you'd want to, like, engage with, be interactive with, and then you kind of slowly become that person. Um, And it's not being, like, uh, unrealistic or something, and it's not being, like, not true to yourself. It's just, like, yeah, having, like, what kind of person or energy do I want to 
yeah, project and get back. And it really, like, the way you um, relate, like, project, like, change your, like, how do I say this? How you put yourself together um, and present it to other people, you get that energy back. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, for Hopefully. sure. If we were sitting here <laughs> being like, I'm like, yeah. how's your day? Yeah, I'm just tired and yeah. I have taxes to do. Oh so, my God, taxes. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, no one wants to listen. Then no one's going to listen to it. No. We're not going to be having fun. But if, if you're engaging and same thing if you're DJing, if, if you're engaging and you're fun and mm-hmm. I've seen you perform and I see how you're excited and you're having, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, like ding, ding, All over the place. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, that, and that's what you want to watch. And, mm-hmm. and also, you know, as, as an event organizer, those are DJs that I want to book and I want to have and I want to have someone that's going to have the same energy I'm super high energy spoiler alert a high energy person I want to have someone that's going to bring crowd and going to bring energy and get people dancing if I wanted background music then yeah that's something else you want to you want to have a packed dance floor people dancing and someone who loves what they're doing not someone who's just doing it because it pays the bills yeah exactly nothing else better to do with their day yeah yeah definitely so going back a little bit to your brand, you started your own company. So can you tell us a little bit, what is Annex Productions? Yeah, so my company is Annex Productions, and I started it in January 1st, 2020, so just a little bit before COVID. Um, and I really started it because I wanted to, yeah, get um, the tax deducted from all like the hardware and the stuff that I'm buying, because uh, music production is obviously not a cheap hobby. Um, so yeah, I was like putting all this money into investing in a hobby. Then I was like, oh, I might as well do something a little more, yeah, professional with it. Um, I already, I did a lot of entrepreneur school, like also in my PhD, um, I did entrepreneur studies related to like climate change, innovation, adaptation, mitigation stuff. Um, but it, yeah, the same idea for like entrepreneurial activities applied to everything, like how to start up your business, how to make a business model, um, how to make a sustainable, yeah, idea. Like with respect to what you do and your activities of your business. Yeah, so it was like a nice connection to do. So would you advise other like artists to do that, to go that route, to like get registered, go to the Chamber <laughs> of Commerce, start their own company? Um, I don't know. I really like paperwork. <laughs> I think it's a problem. Um, but partially, like if you can understand how the system works, uh, then you can understand how to get the benefits from the system. Um, and there's a lot of support for entrepreneurs in the Netherlands and a lot of like, yeah, tax, um, yeah, benefits and possibilities you can yeah, benefit from. Um, so in that sense, it's good, um, but it's probably not necessary. I mean, it's a lot of like over, it's a lot of work for very little gain until you grow. Um, but if you want to start, like, I mean, it's so easy to start a company here. You pay like 50 euros, uh, you go down, you speak to someone, you have a coffee, like you check the name doesn't exist anywhere. Um, and that's it. So I did it as well for drop yeah. Yeah. and you get a little folder and it's exactly. like, I'm registered. And they take a picture for you. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So it's a really nice country to do that. Um, yeah. And I'm happy I did. And it's kind of on the sidelines a bit now. Um, one word of warning is like, if you turn your hobby into your business, um, yeah, it starts to turn into work, obviously. I mean, it sounds obvious, but it's not so obvious. And you could think, oh, if I like love what I do, I never work a day in my life. Uh, but is that true? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not always going to be the case. So, yeah. I think with everything, there's good days and bad days. And there's days where, like, you know, you love it and you live for it. And then there's other days where it's like, oh, I'm really tired. I don't feel like yeah, doing a lot. Yeah, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> why did I choose this again? Yeah. And then, you know, once you commit to it, you kind of have to do it because you got people waiting waiting for, you know, whether it's a tutorial or exactly. a live stream or a track or yeah. a podcast episode or whatever creative endeavor that you've undertook. Once you start putting it out there and you gain a following, people are expecting that from you. So mm-hmm. you can't just be like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, it creates a commitment. That's also what I wanted to, because um, I wanted to push myself to do better and more. Uh, so if you sit kind of by yourself forever in your same room, um, it doesn't really lead to a lot of opportunities or other places. Um, whereas if you set things up more officially, then you have more of um yeah, you can like further substantiate. I'm trying to not use such big words, <laughs> academic words. Uh, you can like further substantiate like who you are as an artist, and it makes you more legitimate. Uh, so there's practical benefits like tax stuff, um, and there's also like these softer kind of benefits like yeah, being more legitimate and having like a more solid brand presence. 
It's also a way to protect yourself as well if you do things the official way. Like, exactly. you're less likely to get yeah. screwed over, I think, if you're sending people official invoices rather than just, like, here's, here's a lot of cash after you're done playing. Uh, slap on the ass. Yeah, here you go. Good job. <laughs> get you out know, of here. Do, yeah. yeah, see you next week. Yeah. Um, doing things. I, 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 I'm, I'm like you, Al, so like paperwork. Um, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a quality management consultant in my day job. And you know, I also like, you know, standards and forms and, and things like that. So, yeah, I'm definitely one to play by the rules and play by by the book and mm-hmm. do things the official way and you know I also got my company registered things like that and I just I, I think I think it's it's just better that way it's it's safer and just adds to um adds still the legitimacy as well yeah and it's um also especially it's good for women because then it shows that you're serious about what you're doing um it's not just because like you're sleeping with someone or you have some connection or whatever like it's really like you're passionate about this and you're yeah you're very yeah serious about what you're doing like from a business and practical and music perspective um so i think it helps yeah build that up and it's also good to know what the rules are so you can break them <laughs> or like learn how to work within like the yeah within there to you benefit f- yourself so one thing you said do you feel though as a woman as a as a female pr- uh, producer actually call yourself a productress not a producer so why first of all why is that <laughs> producerous producer okay productress <laughs> no. i made up a word producer okay i made up a word pr- 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 producer okay so i made up the word too okay um productress well, sounds kind of, of sexy though productress because you have the crunch <laughs> productress well i'm producerous. Producerous. producerous maybe there can be both maybe i can have like a variation like a sub-producer is the productress. Huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good idea. It's for later. Good it's for idea. Later. So why, do you, why, um, why did you go with that name? Yeah, because, I mean, for a lot of words in, well, I think, a lot of languages, but in English, uh, you can have, like, waiter, waitress, actor, actress. Um, but there's no producerist. There's only the male. And, I mean, it's a very, like, it doesn't matter so much. Um, but it still kind of matters. Because you want to be, like, reflected in, like, who you identify yourself as. Maybe this is going a little deep. Um, we've, but, we've gone deep, so just yeah, keep so going. I want it to be, like... So part of how I differentiate myself is I'm, yeah, female and I do this. Um, and I do that because, like, there's so few women doing it. It's not because I think it's better that I'm a woman or something. It's just it what makes you kind of stand out a little bit. Um, and so I thought, like, coining a term like that was kind of useful. And if you can coin your own term and have it associated with yourself at the beginning, uh, then when people look it up, they'll come up uh, with you, like in a Google search. Progressive <laughs> you... French core. Yeah, yeah. progressive <laughs> French core producerist. Producerist, there you go. Yeah, Dr. So, Anne Rainville. Oh my God, so you just got all the boxes yeah, checked. Yeah. So do you, you feel as a woman then, like you said, you know, starting your own company and producing your own music, do you, do you feel that pressure to like prove yourself then? Yeah, Sounds definitely. Like it, yeah. Yeah, and I think you always have to, like, do more or better somehow um, to prove yourself. Yeah. And I think, like, a lot of guys don't see it and don't experience it. Um, But from the women's side, like, you really do. If you think about it a lot and you think very critically about what you see and how your interactions are, um, yeah, definitely... I think that's a lot of pressure and it's it's a lot of work and it's, you know, we've talked about it before, but it's a male dominated scene, especially the hard dance scene. And yeah, you have to work twice as hard. And yeah. there's always the assumption, unfortunately, when there is a female DJ on stage that, oh, she's, you know, her boyfriend did it or, you know, she's sleeping with this person or, you know, she doesn't make her own music or she's just someone behaving and just, she just showed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. They gave her a contract. <laughs> She was just like, standing yeah, there, <laughs> off off the street, you know. But we're we're joking. But these are all things that people actually say, yeah. you know. And it's 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 a real shame. It's true. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, these are all things people are saying, and yeah. it's 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 horrible because you know we shouldn't judge a book by its cover. You know, it's cliche, but like you shouldn't just assume all because it's like an attractive woman on stage that she slept with someone to get there or mm-hmm. that she doesn't make her own music or that she doesn't know how to DJ or that she was found in the parking lot. Or... Know, right? <laughs> She's like, hey, you come on, you know, like we shouldn't assume that we should be just, you know, seeing how is the music good? Is it not good? You know, yeah. that's what it's about. But actually, for me, I've never had anyone come up to me, at least to my face, and say, like, oh, you're just this because you know someone or whatever. Like, 
No one's accused me of it, which is nice. I mean, well, it's not true either, but no one's, no one's said it either. But I think <laughs> also it. what we've talked about before with the transparency is like you've shown every step of the process yeah. and you're like, I'm so making... Like, fight me. Yeah, fight me. <laughs> Go to my tutorials. Like, roll back the tape. Like, you've done it step by step. And, and you said too, like, you signed up for this masterclass or you consulted with this DJ. Like, you never once said, I came up with all the answers on my own. I No, you, you said yeah, exactly. you did the Anger Fist masterclass. You talked to this... <laughs> DJ you did this you read this book you watched this video like you just said step by step everything that you did to learn and then you've proved it by producing music and making tutorials so there's really no evidence to say that you don't get <laughs> no evidence like, yeah because exactly. you literally have done every single step to show yeah. that you do do that so what yeah. can someone really say <laughs> exactly and like people who do like if they were to say stuff it's like yeah then you have no basis like yeah yeah I think so. So all of that together, we're coming towards an end now. How do you define your personal brand? Who is Annex? Who is Annex? So this is really interesting because um, when I went through like this kind of burnout period of my life, I realized I was in school. I was in university for like 10 years, pretty much straight. Um, and in the first years of university, like, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I partied, like I worked in a nightclub and a lounge. Um, but then I was like, shit, I really need to focus on getting better grades if yeah I want to put my nose to the grindstone and like get the degree that I want um so then yeah for the next like eight years after that I basically like yeah I gave up like, caring about my appearance or like going to the gym or like anything that was good for my yeah my self-worth like in terms of how I like what makes me feel good as a person and for me that's like if I go to the gym then my muscles feel relaxed and I feel less anxious and then I'm more like you know, cordial when I speak to people and then I get better energy back. Um, so yeah, I really started focusing on, yeah, who am I as a person at the core of my being? Like once I finished school. <laughs> after school. Yeah. yeah, after school. <clears throat> Not during school. Um, don't take my advice. <laughs> take vacations, take study breaks. <laughs> I also like didn't year. do that. I didn't do any of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I also don't know what that's like. I just yeah. went full force 100% and yeah to my own detriment so yeah. definitely take yeah, so take, take time off take breaks take figure rest out who you are. figure out who you are don't just like yeah. plow through because you feel like you yeah, have to somebody tells you to yeah yeah so for annex like I started an Instagram account like when I was um okay so I started producing first and then someone told me yeah no one's gonna listen to your music if they don't know who you are and at first I thought like oh how dare you my music is amazing that it will shine through and convince every listener that it's the best they've ever heard but that's not true because um, you're not just listening to the song you're listening to like um the whole like concept and everything underlying the song so like it's not just the song like it's connected to so many other things and especially you as an artist um so the, yeah, I started this Instagram account to try to figure out like who I am as Annex and who I am as a person. Um, yeah, and to get some cool photos. Cause I mean, you're only young once, right? Um, Cause I did a bit of the modeling stuff before and then I went like into university, like hardcore university, <laughs> like for a long time, as I said. Um, so I, yeah, my, yeah, life didn't really go that route. Um, but for this, like for Annex, it's a way to do something that's like make fun photos, but also make them like worth like, yeah, practically like applied to something. And for like social media now, you can do that yourself. So you can skip the whole like uh, record label. You can use, um, like learn how to use tools like Photoshop yourself to like make a rendered like image um, and do all sorts of cool stuff. You don't need to go to the mall to get a photo shoot. No. Like back in the day. Back in the oh, day. Nostalgia. Yeah, I was just having like being a model at the mall. And, yeah. Um, yeah, now I, I think, you know, we live in a digital age now where like you need an online presence. Like yeah, if you're going to be- People are going to Google you. People are going to Google you. They want to know who you are. They're yeah. going to get that lineup for the festival. If your name's on it, you're getting Googled mm -hmm. or you're going to search for your Instagram or the promoter's going to want to tag you. Yeah. They're going to want you like, you can't just be hiding like in the, in the shadows. Exactly. Although it's it. safe to hide in the shadows. And that's what I wanted to. I wanted to be like in my safe little corner, like, but then you don't get anywhere. So you got to put yourself out there. Yeah. Definitely. So we're coming now really toward the end. This is the question I ask all my guests. How do you rave for a cause or party for a purpose in your life? Yeah, um, I think it's really cool to combine uh, what you love with a good cause. Um, I mean, I like the, um, I think it was Armin van Buren or the State of Trance. They had these like, was it like bring your own cup or they had this like return system for the cups? I worked that. At yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> doing that. Um, so I really like to see how sustainability and sustainable ideas are implemented like in the events and this really crosses over like with my academic uh stuff on sustainability and innovation 
Um, so it's cool to see how that's going. And it's like a motivation is to, a big motivation is to save money. Um, but that's okay. Because if there's uh, more profit in it for the, the industry, then they're going to do that idea more because it's a profitable idea for them. And it's also like leading to sustainability impacts. So I love seeing that stuff. And we're seeing yeah. it more and more. Uh, yeah. We had guests from Bye Bye Plastic on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's, very, it's very sexy to be sustainable, which is good. I yeah. mean, just don't greenwash. Like there has to be something behind it. And it's, it's definitely getting better, too. And uh, the Netherlands has banned single-use plastic, so, like, that's a step in the right direction. Hopefully next festival season we don't see a sea of plastic cups yeah. anymore. Uh, the, you know, hopefully they're using hard plastic or another sustainable alternative. Mm -hmm. And just also incentivizing recycling and incentivizing making sustainability sexy, because it is. Yeah. It's like there's the album from Madonna, I think it was called, called Hard Candy. <laughs> I was just like, hard plastic. Hard, pl <laughs> hard plastic, yeah, exactly. It's like sexy album. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So it's hard now to look ahead of uh, the future, you know, with everything going on with the pandemic. But where do you see the future of French core going? Oof, I don't know. <laughs> I think for me, I just kind of want to get away from typically what the French core sound is because now I'm a little bored with it, you know, because if you try, if you finally figure out how something works in a genre, at least for me, I'm like, oh, now like the problem isn't there anymore because I'm really like problem solving oriented. Um, so I want to go into more like, I think, hardcore in general and yeah, kind of just take where Annex is going to go to where Annex wants to go and then see who goes with me. Um, I mean, yeah, you still try to have to like orient yourself, like to fit in. And I guess to be booked, like it's good to be consistent, like so someone can put you in like a genre category. We like uh, boxes in this scene. Yeah, yeah people box, like genres. Cats like boxes. <laughs> like boxes. They're great. But yeah. But it's also good to do things outside the box, especially if you feel that your sound is evolving and changing. But then yeah. you have the risk of people being like, we liked you better when you were like this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard from other people. Um, like if you get like more famous for one or two songs, then you're like a, you're a prisoner of your own success, kind of, because then people expect you to make the same sounds. And for me, I'm really doing this because I love to do it and I love to be creative. Um, and I mean, I could have sat down, well, maybe not, but like sat down and banged something out that sounded like almost exactly the same as what the best sound is right now. And it could have been quite popular, but that's not what I want to do. So it's really nice that I have the like, the freedom and the time to, yeah, just experiment with my own stuff. I think that's best. I see yeah. that. We see that a lot in the scene. People just, yeah, copying yeah. sounds that are already popular. Yeah, and already, yeah, it's easy. But I mean, yeah, for some people it's fine, but for me it's not what I want to do. So personally, like I want... Um, Annex, I want uh, the sounds to be like harder and faster, but more melodic, but more cohesive. And but then, yeah, that's, that's like coming together as like an artist myself too. And like figuring out who you are. I love that. Yeah. A journey of self-discovery yes, through French core. Exactly. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for today, Anne. This has been awesome. Can you tell people where they can find you, where they can connect with you online? Yeah, thanks, Amy. This was so much fun. I'm so glad you had me here and it was really nice to see you in person. And you can find me at annexproductions.eu is my website. And that has links to everything. I'm on Spotify, Twitch, uh, Instagram. You can message me on. Uh, you can email me, but it's probably best to message me on Instagram. Uh, check out my tutorials. They're also on there. Um, I also have links to free materials, as well as recommendations for really good paid materials um, for the hardcore genre, which is sometimes difficult to find, including samples. So yeah, go check it out. And let me know if you have ideas for other tutorials. I'm always open to, yeah, listening and helping and trying to figure stuff out together. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, All right, guys. You. See you next time. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my episode with Annex. That was part two. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I'm happy to report that I'm feeling much better this week. Um, I'm still sick. I'm still a bit congested. I have, you could probably hear my voice is not 100% back, but I'm definitely way better. So thank you to everybody who reached out. Really appreciate it. Sorry for the sad outro last week, our last episode. I was really, really sick, but still had to record something. Um, yeah, thankfully, I'm, I'm much better now. So I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this conversation as much as I did. It was so fun chatting with Annex, especially in person. Um, yeah, it was my first episode in person. You know, all the episodes have been on Zoom. So it just it's a different vibe when you're sitting together uh, in front of the microphone compared to being um, across the screen. <laughs> Definitely way better. 
I will link to all of Anne's links in the show notes. And if you're interested in learning how to produce, you should definitely go over to her YouTube channel. Check out her tutorials. She has a lot of helpful videos. And yeah, we're going to see some more DJs this festival season, I think. So definitely go and check that out. So announcements for today. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be at This Is Sick. That's Sick Mode's birthday bash. It's um, in Bunik near Utrecht. If anyone else is going, wants to meet up, let me know. I'm going to be there with Hardstyle Mag. I'll be writing a full report, so keep an eye out for that. That will come out the Monday after. And speaking of events, as most of you know, I'm headed to Drop Zone this summer, both as an official ambassador and also with Hardstyle Mag. I'll be writing a really full full report because it's like a four-day festival. So it's going to be very in-depth. So definitely uh, check that out. Save that for later. For those of you who don't know, Drop Zone is a hard dance festival. It's on the beach in Croatia. It will take place from July 11th through 14th. They have all sorts of accommodations and ticket packages. So head on over to DropZoneFest.com and use my code DZVUQQ. That's D as in dog, Z as in zebra, U as in umbrella, Q as in queen, and again, Q as in queen to save 5% on your hardstyle holiday. So it's been a minute since I updated you guys on my 150 progress. That's because I've been sick. Um, But back in January, I started a 60-day program through 150 where by combining hardstyle and fitness, I was able to put in place some healthy habits, lose some corona fat, gain some more muscle. So my 60 days is up, but my wellness journey is far from over. 150 gave me the tools to take better care of myself and start feeling better both inside and out. So I want you guys to experience this too. And each episode, I'll be sharing with you one tip that I've learned from the program. This week's tip is about alcohol. So one major takeaway I got from 150 has been cutting back on drinking. So as we know, drinking is not only embedded in the rave scene, but in society, it's commonplace, accepted, so easily accessible. During the pandemic, like a lot of people, I got in the habit of finishing up work, heading downstairs, opening up the rosé. And that went from just being on Saturdays to Fridays because Friday I would have a routine where after work I'd go downstairs, get the rosé, play Roller Coaster Tycoon on my PC and like with one hand play Roller Coaster Tycoon and my other hand do my nails. I do gel manicure so it takes like a couple of hours. So I'm playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, sipping some wine, doing my nails because come on, it was a pandemic. Like what else were we supposed to do? That was like such joy in that Friday moment. I couldn't head to the bar or rave or go out with friends. That was my joy. <laughs> so it went from that to then, you know, after Dutch class, man, I'm going to have some wine to drinking while I cook dinner, during dinner, after dinner, a couple nights a week. So what I learned through 150 is that although drinking, obviously, it can be fun socially, it makes it very difficult to follow a fitness program because it stops the process of fat burning. It creates more fat storage, increases cortisol levels, messes up your hormonal balance, dehydrates you. And we all know after heavy nights of drinking, you just feel like bland. The next day, which means you'll probably be ordering pizza and not heading to the gym. Definitely on days and nights that I've drank like that next day, I'm really not so motivated to go work out or to, you know, make more healthy choices. <laughs> Definitely leaning towards pizza macaroni and cheese things like that so since starting the 150 program I significantly reduced my alcohol intake do I drink sometimes obviously you see on my Instagram I still love my rosé I like to drink beer at events um, obviously I had some drinks last weekend it was my boyfriend's birthday I'm gonna drink some beer tomorrow this is sick but the main thing is that it's it's deliberate it's limited it's intentional it's no longer a habit to reward myself after a long work week I'm not doing the roller coaster tycoon wine and and nail painting anymore um so it's just it's it's just changing my relationship with alcohol making some more healthy habits it's just one more thing one more amazing thing that i gained from 150 so i'm really grateful for that so if you want to work on your fitness or lose some unwanted body fat cut back on drinking or just live an overall healthier life head on over to 150.life and use code mcunicorn to save 10 euros today So that's all for today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to share it on your Instagram story or send it to a friend. For Apple and Spotify listeners, don't forget to leave a five-star review. I'm always curious to know your thoughts on the episode and who you would like to hear from next, so please hit me up. You can find all the Drop Bass Not Bombs merchandise by going to www.dutchravestore.nl. We have t-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, backpacks, and more. 
Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at DropBassNotBombsNL. And we'll see you on Friday, May 6th for another episode. Bye.